the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue our study in the book of 2 Samuel, David becomes a changed man, fully submitted to God's will and dependent on His grace. And God shows mercy in a name. We'll pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 18. Once again, that's 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 18. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 18. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke unto him, and he would not listen unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? David lived like this for an entire week. My personal guess is he would have lived like this until the child recovered or the child died. And the concern that his servants have here is how will he then vex himself? The word there, vex himself, it means to do evil, injury, or harm to yourself. See, David's servants believe that he's having a hard time with the idea of him living on and the child dying, that they're worried here that David's harming himself in the hope that God will somehow see that and spare the child. It's kind of similar to the priest who whips himself or do, you know, does something to somehow make himself more acceptable to God. And so now that God hasn't spared the child, they're worried that the guilt David will experience will cause him to harm himself in an even worse way. Their worry is unfounded, though, because David isn't trying to twist God's arm by inflicting damage upon himself. Like fasting is not the idea, I'm going to hold my breath until you give me what I want, God. I'm not going to eat. That's not what fasting is. We're not some spoiled child trying to make God do something that he doesn't want to do. And that tactic doesn't work anyway because it's just an, an inverted form of legalism. David has a different reason for why he's fasting. And so his next actions confuse his servants. Verse 19, but when David saw that his ch- servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said unto his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. And then David arose from the earth, he washed, took a bath, anointed himself, means to put on lotions, and he changed his apparel, his clothing, and came into the house of the Lord. 
and worshipped. And then he came to his own house, and when he had required, in other words, asked to be served, they set bread before him, and he did eat. David had not bathed, he hadn't put on cologne, hadn't changed his clothing since the child grew ill. He'd been a mess. But now that he's cleaned up, the first thing he does is he goes down to the tabernacle. And when he gets there, he worshiped. Why does David do that first? Well, there's probably lots of reasons. But by doing this, David is communicating to everyone, to his people, to everyone who knew what he'd done, that he isn't angry at God, that he deserved worse than this, and so he will worship even though God's answer to his prayer was no. That is what repentance looks like. It's the exact opposite of Pharaoh and Saul. David understood the position he had, the influence that came with it, and by submitting to God's judgment, by worshiping, David's trying to influence everyone in the right way now, just as he had influenced a lot of people in the wrong way for the last year or so. David is communicating, what I did was wrong, and God doesn't owe me anything. I deserve to die. And so I will accept whatever the Lord sends my way, and I will continue to worship him because he is worthy still. And so while David's behavior for the last year or so has been so far from the heart of God, David's heart of repentance is what truly makes him a man after God's heart. Now, I realize there are those who would say that there can be no redemption for people who do the things that David did. They would say that hell is made for people like David, for people who do the things he did. But I would suggest that that view betrays the vile lie that I am better than David, that God owes me better than David, and that therefore the cross is not really necessary after all. The cross is, in reality, just a neat thing to put up on Good Friday to make us feel better about ourselves because someone did something sacrificial. When we read the Gospels, they give the brutal details of Jesus' torture on the cross for our sin for a reason. So that when Pilate says, when Pilate must say, behold the man, because it doesn't even look like one anymore. So we see a mirror image of what we all deserve. How ugly my sin is. It's not so we can turn our eyes away and dress up the cross in nicer clothes. When we look at it, it's supposed to smart. It's supposed to challenge everything that we think we are. It's supposed to drive me to my knees in horror at who I am compared to who God created me to be. So I believe that David marching down to the tabernacle when word of his actions has spread for the last seven days It's probably one of the most faith-filled and courageous things a person could do. David worshipped because he believed God would still accept a wretched adulterer and murderer's worship. But there is a life and a future from God, even for those who have destroyed the lives and futures of others. Now, 
Don't get me wrong, sin has awful consequences. David would still face future wars. David still would face rebellion from his own son, Absalom. David still lost his child. But I have to believe there is life. I have to believe that there is a future for those who have done wickedly. Because if there is not, then none of us have any hope. Now, what is the path to that future life? Well, it's repentance. The scriptures do not record David ever marrying again. In fact, from this point on in David's life, we no longer see a lust-driven man. It does seem that David changes. Now, People like to bring up and say, what about that weird event when he was about to die and they bring him that woman to keep him warm at night, you know, whatever. We'll talk about that later. But that wasn't David's idea. From this point on, we don't ever see this kind of behavior from David again. And prior to this, the writer has said over and over again, and David did this, David did this. Can a person change? and live a new life after they've done horrible things? If David can't, then none of us can. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 and 18, it's a verse most of you have likely heard a thousand times. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and then has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Hmm. This would be the equivalent of your very worst enemy coming to you, begging you to forgive for all the horrible things that they've done to you. And not only do you reconcile with them, you forgive them, but then you give them the responsibility to do your your work. You trust them with everything. Not only does he make us a new creation, but he reconciles us to himself. God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He reconciles us to himself and then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Like we're all of a sudden like the counseling expert on how to have great relationships. And yet that's what the scripture says that God has done for us. This is the difference between Christianity and every other faith. Every other faith promises some kind of do these things and you'll be okay after you die. Every other religion promises some kind of that, whether it's you're, you're Buddhist and Hindu and you go to Nirvana or whether you're, you're, you know, believe in Islam and you keep the five pillars and you go to your paradise. And if you're a guy, you get your 35 virgins. Whatever it is, there's always some way, shape or form of do these good things and you'll be okay after you die. Christianity instead says, come and die to who you've been. And watch Jesus do good things through you from now into all eternity. Any other idea, any other idea is not Christianity. 
any other idea is not the biblical faith. And so if people like David cannot be redeemed and used by God, if they have no hope, if they have no future, I would recommend, if that's your mindset, you start calling yourself something else because that is not Christianity. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then it goes on to say that the wages of sin is death. That's all of the verdict upon all of us. Not just David or people like David. After David went and worshipped, he made the long walk back to his house. And when he had required, they set bread before him and he did eat. After he'd worshipped, he began to attempt to resume normal life. And so we're going to see now in verse 21, because his servants didn't understand why David was initially praying, his now behavior confuses them. Verse 21, and then said his servants unto him, what thing is this that you have done? You did fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, you did rise and eat bread? We don't understand. So David answered, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David explains why he was praying in the first place here. It wasn't to twist God's arm. He fasted, he wept with tears, crying out to God for the life of the child because he said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me? The word to be gracious, it means to show an action of kindness, pity, or compassion. David had already experienced that kind of mercy because God didn't execute him like he deserved. So David's prayer wasn't, God, I'm going to hurt myself until you save this child. David's prayer was, God, please give me something I don't deserve. Let there be another way to communicate that you will not be mocked. Whatever path it is, I'll do it. Let there be another way. David denied himself, not out of self-harm, but because he wanted God to see that this was his top priority. That eating regular meals, sleeping in his bed, the simple comforts of life, they were all really low on the priority list. He wanted God to know that this man who had had a lustful passion become the end-all, be-all of his life for an entire year, that that man had changed. And that maybe, just maybe, that change could serve as an alternative method of speaking to the world about what he'd done. Once that hope of an alternative method to communicate truth to the world was ended, why fast anymore? There was no reason. David had to move on as a changed man, even if everyone, even himself, didn't believe that man deserved a chance to live on. David explained, can I bring him back again? For David to pray for the child's return at this point would be rebellion against God's answer, which was no. Instead, David will put his hope in a future reunion. 
For he says, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David here shows his very clear belief in the resurrection of the dead. And so what David says I can focus on right now is making sure I end up in the same place that my son now is. This was the determination that took him down to the temple to worship and then to return to his dining table to be served. I'm going to live forever in such a way that I see him again. Does a man like David deserve to go on living? No. Does a man like him deserve to have God bless him going forward? No. But whether God would do either of those things, he would live for God from now on. And by God's grace, he would finish his life a different man than he'd been for the last year. So if you've had a massive failure in your life, one that has deeply wounded those closest to you, that must become your resolution to keep yourself in the love of God, to determine to let Christ live through you to the end of your days, to die a different person than you lived when you did those things. And to the person who will humble themselves like that, the Bible teaches us the Lord gives more grace. If you've ever never watched a documentary film called Text, it's old and the Videography is probably not great. Pastor Chuck helped put it together. Text is about one of the young people who followed Charles Manson who murdered those people that they broke into their homes and killed them. The one of the couples that was murdered by Tex, they had two kids. They were in the home when these guys broke in and murdered their mom and dad. They were believers. And these two kids, they frequently wrote to Tex to share the gospel with him, tell him they were praying for him. Eventually, Tex gave his life to Christ. And they went and visited him in the prison. There are many in the world who would say that's sick. To which I would say, that's pride speaking. Why do you deserve to be visited? Why do you? Why is, what, 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 is, what have you have done that, that God can't forgive you? That someone else couldn't, they could forgive you, but not this man. What have you done that makes you better? The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know for sure, but my guess is that the part about Jesus wiping away every tear likely happened when David was reunited with his son in heaven. My guess is there were likely many apologies by David and much needed final healing for the foul thing that he did. Now, David's not out of the woods yet because his sin did just, and the consequences did not just impact him. Bathsheba also lost a son. And so in verse 24, there's some interesting things here that are difficult to see in the English translation. It says, And David comforted Bathsheba his wife and went in unto her and lay with her, and she bare 
a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. And he, the Lord, sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. We read that and it almost sounds like this kind of, oh, and everything is fine, and they went on with their relationship, and no big deal. There's a lot more here. The word here for comforted, it means to console someone by expressing your regret for what you did and a desire to fix it. David didn't just come and put his arm around and go, I'm so sorry, honey, this, you know, this was, I can tell you're sad. No, David came to apologize for what he had done. You see, David's sin didn't just affect his son, it affected this woman that he had used whose life he destroyed, a woman who likely wondered how she could go forward from here. Would God kill every child she'd have? Did she even have a future in God's eyes? We don't have any insight into David and Bathsheba's relationship beyond the affair and then the cover-up. That's it. But if I had to guess, I would also guess that this is the first time that David treated her like a person that God created and loved. It is also likely the first time he apologized. And so while these two had shared only great wickedness together up to this point, they now shared great loss and God's discipline together. And I think what David proposes to her at this point is the same hope that he found. I think he proposed that perhaps in God's mercy we can find some way forward as well. Maybe even a fresh start as absurd as that sounds after the horrible things we've done. And it seems she accepted his apology because the next phrase says that he went in unto her. And I realize the very next thing says that she bare him a child. And so we tend to correlate those two phrases together and say, well, they had sex and she got pregnant. That is not a correct understanding of this phrase, though. The phrase he went in means he began to live with her again. At some point, I don't know if it's just the last seven days, I I don't know when, but at some point, these two became separated. They were not living together anymore. The Bible doesn't give us the details. But when it says he went in, it seems that she accepts his apology and the two decide to move forward and try Let's try to do the right thing from now on. And so in this reconciliation, she did become pregnant again. He lay with her. That's a separate statement than went in. He lay with her and she bare a son. And he, David, called his name Solomon. Solomon means man of peace. Now, 2 Chronicles 22, verse 9 states that this name was given to David long before his affair. That God came to David on the same day that God sent Nathan to tell David, hey, you want to build me a house, but you can't. So I want to tell you that I'm going to build you a house. That same day that David learned that the Messiah would come from his line, David tells Solomon, we don't find this out till the end of David's life when David is instructing Solomon about how to be king after him. He tells him, God gave me your name on that day. So before the affair ever happened, before any of this went down, 
when David was right with the Lord and everything was going great, God told him, the child that's going to be the one who's going to be king after you, you're going to name him Solomon. Solomon means man of peace. David was a man of war. He tells him, this is why I could not build the temple. The third reason why he couldn't build it. I got blood on my hands, son. The Lord told me I'd have a son someday that I would call man of peace. And that he would be the one who would be king after me. Well, isn't it interesting that David decides to name this boy of all of his sons, Solomon. The byproduct of a second chance for those who don't deserve one. He will be the man of peace. He will be better than I was. And it tells us that when David picked that name for Solomon, that God gave the thumbs up. It says, and the Lord loved him. And he sent Nathan the prophet to come to David and give Solomon a special name from God, Jedidiah, which means loved by the Lord, beloved of God. Solomon is evidence that when we repent, there is life after awful sin. There is hope for blessing and usefulness. And there is grace for those who don't deserve it. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.